please let us know. We'll find a place for you. Eric, thank you for coming and joining with us this morning. I will hand it over to you now. Thank Sounds you. good. Thank you uh, for having me, Bloomer Baptist. I just want to say thank you for supporting our family. Thank you for supporting uh, the ministry that we're doing with Life on Life Mentoring. Um, thank you for uh, all of the different ways that you guys serve us, have blessed us. Um, we need it. So, so I say thank you. Uh, before I dive in to the word, uh, yeah, let me, let me pray for us. Jesus, as we look at your word, as we look at your, your life, um, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be with us right now. God, we are fully dependent on you, and I just pray that you will be shaping our hearts, encouraging those who need to be encouraged, um, convicting those who need to be convicted, um, comforting those who need to be comforted. Uh, Lord, we are all coming into this room uh, with different things on our hearts, uh, some joy, some pain, some hurt, um, some gladness, Lord. Uh, and I just pray that your Holy Spirit would work uh, through your word, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, today's passage, primary passage, will be out of uh, Matthew 4. I'll be reading 18 through 19. And today I might be jumping around quite a bit around the life of Christ. Uh, so bear with me, but the, the primary passage is this, uh, Matthew four eighteen. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Uh, Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once. And they followed him. Um, this is not the right one. Got you, got you, got you. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so, right, Jesus is walking. He sees Peter and Andrew, some fishermen. Does anyone like to fish in this room? Uh, and he calls them, come, follow me. Come, follow me. The call that Jesus called to these ordinary men, these ordinary fishermen, is the same call to us, ordinary people, to come and follow me. Uh, I want to just unpack as brief as possible the context of that day. By this time, Jesus was a rabbi. In that context, uh, children, especially, especially uh, young boys, would learn the Torah as they're growing up. And they're spending their time trying to memorize the Torah. Get to a point that it's kind of like you either memorized it and you're good or you didn't. You did your best. It's okay. Go into the family trade. Um, and so these men are working. And there's a good chance they were even teenagers. Uh, but they were working with their, with their uh, hands. They were fishermen. And clearly they didn't make the cut of actually being a disciple. And for those who actually made the cut of memorizing the Torah, uh, they then would find a rabbi 
and they would come to that rabbi, and they would ask them, can I follow you? And what that meant was not just, can I come and you teach me what you know? It was, can I come and become just like you? So the culture of that was, uh, these people would find a rabbi and ask them, can I become just like you? And so at that time, the rabbi would then say, yes or no. The rabbi would look at this young man and say, I think you got what it takes to become just like me. Not just have the knowledge that I have, but actually become just like me. And so we see Jesus obviously doing it differently, right? These disciples aren't running up to Jesus saying, can I, can I follow you? He's going and he's calling them to follow me. Jesus does everything backwards. Um, so the call that he called out to these ordinary men is the same call he's calling to us, ordinary people. Come, follow me. Uh, to put it like this, do anyone know Aaron Rodgers? Um, in our day and age, it would be like some high school kid is on the field practicing, and he sees Aaron Rodgers walking down the street. I guess that probably doesn't happen often, but he sees Aaron Rodgers walking down the street, and it would be equivalent to Aaron Rodgers walking up to this kid who's just practicing, saying, hey kid, what's your name? Peter. Andrew, follow me. I think you have what it takes to become just like me. Not just come a great quarterback. Not just go to college D1. Not just make the NFL. Not just be a Hall of Famer MVP quarterback. Like, I think you can actually become just like me. If that happened to a high school kid, what do you think that kid would do? Do you think he would say, nah, man, like, I, I love my, uh, my, my school too much. I got to stay here. I can't follow you, Aaron Rodgers. No, man. He's going to be like, I'm going to leave everything because I want to become just like you. And that's what Jesus is offering us. But we will not follow Jesus if we don't know him. If we didn't know who Aaron Rodgers was and this kid didn't want to become just like him, he wouldn't follow him. I wonder if Aaron Rodgers went up to a soccer player and said, follow me. What would that soccer player do? Probably not. I want to follow a different rabbi. And so the, the question is, do we want to follow Jesus? The whole point of that discipleship is not just to know what the rabbi knows, but it's to become just like the rabbi. Do we want to become just like Jesus? So Jesus is, that, then that just begs to the question of, well, who is this Jesus? What's he like? Do I actually want to become like him? And as we see through his life, how much he loved broken people. I don't know about you guys, but I am broken. My heart is sick. And we see that Jesus loved the sick, the broken. We see, just, I'm just going to throw up some characteristics of who Jesus is. He's truthful. Do we want to be truthful? He's patient. Do we want to be patient? He's kind. Do we want to be kind? He's compassionate. Especially especially on those who everyone says 
they're not worth it. Do we want to be compassionate on those who people say, not them, they can't, they can't know God. He's forgiving. We see as he's being beat, Jesus, as he's dying on the cross, forgive them. What? Do we want to forgive those who hurt us? That's our rabbi, if we're followers of Jesus. Jesus is humble. Instead of saying, hey, you need to, be, you need to do X, Y, Z. You need to achieve perfection. He knew we couldn't do it. So he came humble as a servant to die for people who rejected him. Are we willing to do that? Jesus is good. Jesus is gentle. Some of the words he described himself as gentle and lowly. Jesus is faithful. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. Jesus has self-control. <laughs> I don't know if that's, he's self-controlled. I don't, know. I don't know if that's grammatically right. Do we want to become self-controlled? When that person hurts us, do we want to retaliate, get them back? Or do we want to practice self-control? Jesus is loving, sacrificially loving. My wife just gave me this illustration on the way here. I'm going to try not to cry. Um, she said, we, are, we have these glass hearts that just shatter and break. And Jesus comes and he says, he is willing to break himself in order to put us back. And if we're going to follow him, he's calling us. After he puts us back, after we, we are growing and healing in him, he's asking us to do the exact same thing for other people. Are we willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to engage the broken. I'm willing to be shattered so that God miraculously would use us to help heal other people. I just thought that was a beautiful picture, but Jesus loves sacrificially. Are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of others? And Jesus was peaceful. Are we willing to seek peace even with our enemies? So these are just some attributes. We could go all day of who Jesus is. Do we want to become just like Jesus? And we can't do this on our own. We need all of him to be fully dependent on him, to walk with him. But the question I ask is, would Jesus said uh, that, that they w- the world would know his disciples by the way that we love one another? Would, would people describe us as these things? If you asked someone in the community to describe you, would they describe you like this? Let's take it a step further. If you ask someone in this church, to describe you. Honestly, would they describe us like this? Would our spouses 
Would our spouses describe us like that, the people who are closest to us? Would our families, would our children describe us like this? Are we like Christ? Are we seeking to become just like the rabbi? Siblings, younger people, would your brothers and your sisters describe you like this? Um, The whole point of following Jesus is to become just like Jesus. We can't get it twisted. And then Jesus calls them to follow me. And the beautiful thing is, Jesus isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for faithful followers. So as we're following him, we're going to fail, fail every day at this. Ask my children, ask my wife, ask everybody, right? But, but, Jesus says, it's okay. I've forgiven that. Repent. Model what does it look like to be broken and to repent. We just repented. Um, And in that, follow me. He's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for faithful people who want to become just like him. So he calls these ordinary people to follow him, and then he, he, there's a purpose behind it. It's not only for their being put back together, but he says, I'm going to show you how to fish for people. There's a purpose. It's not just about my relationship with God. Yes, I need that. Yes, that's important. But the purpose is that we may be his hands and feet, laying our life down for the benefit of others. So he says, I will give you a purpose. As you grow in becoming like me, I will give you a purpose to to fish for people, to lay your life down. And that's what we'll be spending the remaining of our time. Um, The one thing I have to... Just, it's a warning to us. James 1, it says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. It is possible, and there's plenty of warnings that Christ gave, that we would listen to God's word, um, but we would not obey him. And we wouldn't seek to follow him, to seek uh, to live how he lived. So that is a real warning. And And the thing is, I think that we will, we will want to follow him the more that our hearts love him. So there's days when my hearts do not wake up naturally and say, man, I want to go <laughs> love this difficult person. Um, and, and we need full reliance on God. But the more that we just lay and surrender our lives to him, even in the moment of, I know what I'm supposed to do, Lord, but I don't want to do it. The more that we surrender that to him, I believe that, and the more that we seek to obey him, I believe that, uh, and I've experienced it, where he actually grows a deeper love for him, which is then just cycles into, I want to be just like you, Christ, even when it's hard. So we see Jesus' command is very seriously to make disciples, the Great Commission. Uh, he's telling them right from the get-go, <laughs> I'm going to make you fishers of men. There's a purpose. Uh, but, but when it comes to making disciples, oftentimes I hear three, ma- these are kind of the three reasons I mainly hear Christians say why they're not doing it. And they're very real reasons. Um, the first that I hear all the time is, uh, I don't have enough time. Man, I don't have enough time to, to invest in other people, enough time to engage, enough time. Um, the truth is, we make time for what we love. That's just, 
That's just the reality. I love watching the Eagles. I know I might get kicked out of here, right? I make time. I try to. I love my kids more, and so oftentimes I don't get to watch as much because I prioritize them. So the truth is we make time for what we love. So let's examine our hearts. Maybe take some time today to examine what do I love? What do I always make sure I have time for? And if uh, seeking to become and follow Jesus is not that, uh, may we ask the Lord to, to help change us. But we make time for what we love. And some things that Christ said was where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So what you treasure, what you love, your heart will be, and our actions will flow towards what we love. Christ also said, if you love me, you obey me. And that isn't a, uh, I just got to clarify this as well, right? Christ said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Again, if I am so in love with Christ, I will want to follow him, and I will seek to become like him and seek to obey him, not out of a heart of I'm trying to earn his love, but out of a heart of he loves me so much and I'm overwhelmed by that. How would I not do this? Those are two totally different hearts. And on the surface, maybe some of those things can look the same of this person or we're trying to love or do these things, but at the end of the day, those are two very different hearts, and it will just be shown through our lives. The second thing that I, I hear a lot of people say is, I don't feel qualified. Welcome to the club. <laughs> None of us are qualified. We see Jesus calling ordinary men. Throughout his life, we see Jesus calling the most despicable, according to society, the type of people who are the most uh, despicable to follow him, right? Uh, we see him call the Samaritan woman at the well. There's so many societal things that that was wrong to do for a Jewish man to engage a Samaritan woman. You think there's any divide in America? Like nothing compared to that division. And Jesus is saying, follow me. He crossed every line socially. He crossed political lines. He crossed uh, ethnic lines. He crossed, crossed cultural lines. He crossed every single line there. Uh, at that moment at the well with the woman. And what does he do? He has compassion on her. He loves her. And what's her response? You can tell if she actually has, grows, a if, she, if she's loving Christ or not. She's so overwhelmed by his love for her, what does she do? She can't contain herself. She runs into the town telling everyone about Jesus. And so it's just this natural thing. What we love will just drive everything that we do. So if you don't feel qualified, welcome to the club. It's not you who makes you qualified. You know who makes you qualified? Jesus. Romans 3, 22 through 25. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned. We've all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Jesus when he freed us from the penalties of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins. We are made right with God, not because of us. We're made right with God 
because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of his shedding of the blood. So if you don't feel qualified, welcome to the club. We are not either, but we are made qualified because of Jesus. And the final one is, I don't know how to. I don't know how to. What do I do? Well, as we seek to know who Jesus is through his word, let's just pay attention to what does he do? Not just what does he do, who is he? And am I growing to become like him? Jesus, so we're going to unpack just super brief. I try to boil this down as simple as possible for my own self. (laughs) So how did Jesus make disciples? When we just look at his life, he lives, right? He incarnated himself. He became a human. And as he's living, as he's walking, he invites people. He invites people to follow him. Are you living today? Are you going to go to the grocery store today? Are you going to hang out with some friends today? He invites people to follow him. Ordinary Joes like me and you. And so can we do that? Can we just be like Christ and say, okay, I'm going to invite people, not to become like Eric, I'm going to invite them to become like Jesus. And I do want to model what does it mean to follow God. But inviting people, do you want to know who this Jesus is? In Acts 4.13, The members of the city council, the disciples were in front of these religious leaders, the big dogs, the big shots. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. These were the guys who didn't make it, right? But they also recognized something about these men. They recognized that these men had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. So as we're living, can we invite people that we already know? Do you want to know who this Jesus is? Let's just spend time with people. If they're willing, let's just open the word and discover who this Jesus is together. Um, just practical illustration in, in my life of what this might look like. Uh, we're really trying to take Jesus' command to love neighbor self like, real, like, that's a real command to love my neighbors who are, who are right next to me. Um, so I've gotten to know a number of uh, teenage boys that I've just grown to, to have a love for them. And they're Muslim, and they don't know Jesus. They think they know Jesus, but they don't know Jesus according to who the scripture says. So what that looks like is I engage them. I generally try to get to know them. And as I get to know them, Jesus is going to come up because I love him. And as I get to know him, I invite them. They ask a lot of questions. (laughs) Eric, uh, you seem a little different. Why do you do dishes? (laughs) Why do you play so much with your kids? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Those are opportunities to share about Christ. But then I invite them into uh, discussions, we call them, where we talk about Islam and we talk about who Jesus is. Um... So Jesus invited them. Can you invite your neighbor? Jesus also modeled and taught what it meant to love God and love your neighbor. He not only taught it, he modeled it. The disciples actually experienced that love. Are the people around you experiencing the characteristics of Christ that we showed earlier? Are they experiencing grace from you, compassion from you? Um, He modeled it and taught it. 
One of the most harmful things, especially as followers of Jesus, we can do is not model it. As teach it, share it with our kids, but not model what does it mean to be forgiving and compassionate and gentle like Christ. Um, so practically, what this looks like with these young men is a lot of time is just spent come over. Just, I'm just inviting them to be around us. And then, like I said before, a lot of times there's questions. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you do this? But it's, I want to model, what does it look like for a person to pursue, to know Jesus and love his family with that type of love? And to them, it's baffling because they don't see it within their own home. And then there's opportunities to teach. I, one of these young men, I, uh, he got his permit, and their family doesn't have a car. So I was like, yo, man, I'll take you out. As we're driving, and I'm terrified for my life, uh, I just asked them a question. And we started talking about family and whatnot, and his father came up, and I just asked, like, man, when you grow up, do you want to be like him? Do you want to be like your dad? And he goes, no, more honestly, Eric. And he said all this Arabic of, like, for, forgive me, Allah. He goes, I want to be more like you. The way that you love your wife, the way that you love your children, Culturally, this makes no sense. But he sees the aroma of Christ as I feebly fumble trying to follow Jesus. And then I get to share the opportunity. And I said, Mohammed, I don't think you want to be like me. I think you want to be like Jesus. And he's like, nah, I don't want that. (laughs) But not only teaching it, modeling it, And finally, if we have people who want to know Jesus and actually become like him, because they see us trying and striving and we see God changing our hearts and changing the things we love, that we we leave things that maybe we loved before and we're willing to lay those things down because our love for Jesus is so much greater. That eventually, if, if any of these young men actually come to know Jesus, not just know about him, but know him, I want to walk with them and help them mature in their walk with Christ as well as help them pour their lives out for the people that they know. That as Christ puts their hearts back together, as he gives them a new heart to love him more than anything, I'm going to say, man, now it's time for you to lay your life down. So ultimately, we then get sent out. And the thing is, we see Jesus did this in over a three-year time period. And the amount of time that he spent with his disciples is in a crazy amount of time, if you ever calculate the hours. So this thing is a, this is thing is a, a huge time investment. It's a life investment. And so this doesn't just happen like this. It's not a quick fix. It is a slow process over time. Uh, so do we have that vision This long-term vision of, okay, I can't change people's hearts. I'm just called to love them like Christ, to teach them the truth and to show them grace. And in that process, I'm in it for the long haul. Whether I got to walk with them for one year, for two years, for 12 years. Are we willing to do it for the long haul.
I want to close with this. We see Peter being called, follow me, right? In John's recognition of, um, sorry, Luke's calling of Peter, we, we see this story of uh, Peter and Andrew are out fishing. They're, they're, they're trying to catch fish all night. They catch nothing. Jesus comes along, and he says, throw your nets on the other side. And they're like, dude, who is this dude? Like, we've been fishing all night. It doesn't matter if I'm here or here. There's no fish. They throw it over. Boom, they're overwhelmed with fish. He then goes, and he's like, Peter falls at Jesus' feet. And Peter tells him, or Jesus tells him to follow him. And he says the same thing. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Then at the end, three years later, at the end of John, the same story happens. Except there's this (laughs) in-between. Peter got to see and really see who Jesus was. And in that, Peter messes up all the time. Does God smack, or does Jesus smack him and say, you can't follow me no more? No, he says, follow me. And so at the very end, after Peter denies Jesus three times, where does Jesus find Peter? He finds him fishing. In that context, if you are a disciple of a rabbi and you publicly disgrace that rabbi, you are done. You can't follow him no more. (laughs) Peter publicly denied him three times. So Peter's mindset is, well, Jesus is done with me, right? Jesus is resurrected, comes back, and he doesn't leave Peter. He goes back. And this time, right, same thing happens. He calls out to Peter, fishing all night. He went to his, he went, he, it seems, it appears he went to his old life. Like, yo, that is done with Jesus. I guess I got to go fish again, right? Sometimes we do that. <laughs> we go to our old lives. But same thing happens. Throw your net on the other side. Boom, fish comes. Peter knows it's Jesus. He's like, whoa, jumps out of the boat, swims ashore. Jesus chilling there, already got breakfast ready. <laughs> it's beautiful, right? They're sitting there having breakfast. And then, right, Peter's blown it. And uh, Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. He tells him to do something. Feed my sheep. Lay your life down. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Then he says to Peter, follow me. The call to Peter in the beginning was follow me. Become like me. The call at the end after he got to actually know who Jesus was and failed following him constantly, Jesus reinstates it. Peter, it's not about you, bro. (laughs) It's not about your mistakes. I've covered those. Follow me today. It's just beautiful to see. Jesus is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for faithful ones. So today, whether you're the first Peter, follow me. Or today you've been walking with Jesus for years and it seems like you've lost your way. It's okay. Jesus got you. Turn around and follow him. It doesn't matter where you are in that stage. His call to you is the same. Follow me. Get to know who I am. 
become just like me, and then do what I did, which was deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow me. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we're just blown away of how much you love us, how much you were willing to sacrifice for our well-being, that you made us right with God when we could do nothing. God, create this love in us that's so strong for you that we are willing to forsake everything to follow you and that we would be on mission with every aspect of our life, that we would invite people in to our life, that we would model, that we would actually walk it and teach what does it mean to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love our enemies as ourselves. God, and then I just pray uh, that we would be reinstated when we slip and mess up. God, help us along this way. We are fully dependent on you. We need you. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Eric, um, for sharing that both encouraging message, but also a challenging message with us. And as you can see, Eric at times gets quite emotional. It should also cause us to get quite emotional as we think through not just how Jesus and his life, his death, his resurrection has encouraged us, but also challenged us. Eric, I love how um, you gave us those Jesus is, and one of them was forgiveness, and we're going to forgive you for following the eagles. <laughs> thank you. But we're also going to be very challenged by those things too, so thank you for that, but may we be challenged in the way of how we live every day. Absolutely. And wow, what great challenging words to hear too about how you're living with this, or not living <laughs> physically in your house, but living on a daily routine with this Muslim man, man talking to him about Jesus, and wow, to think about how he sees your life and says, I want to be like you. Mm -hmm. And how easy it is, is it for us as human beings to say, oh, thanks, great, you know, but to transition to that, no, you want to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Let's pray for those opportunities. Let's take those opportunities. Let's look for those opportunities. Thank you, Eric. I want to pray with you. Um, and we want to just pray for the ministry that God's doing through you. And if you're part of the missions committee and you're willing, why don't you come up here for just a moment? Susie, you're already up here. <laughs> um, we're just going to pray for him. So he didn't get a chance to really talk about his ministry very much, but Madeline, his lovely wife, sitting down there, and this is Eric. These are missionaries and their family that we support over in the cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And they have a, a mentoring ministry. It's hard to describe in two minutes here, yeah. so I would just share with you, we have prayer cards out in the missions hallway that you're welcome to take one of those cards, be praying for them, look up some information about them on our website, or contact them. Talk to them after church service, um, contact them via email, Facebook message, a phone call. Pastor Chuck and I had the great opportunity, thank you for allowing us in. We Absolutely. were at a pastor's conference north of Minneapolis all week, so we stopped in the cities on the way there and just said, hey, can we have coffee with you and meet with you? And it was great getting to just fellowship in your home. Thank you for that. I'm going to be um, just kind of blunt, or, or I'm just going to say I think they would welcome others as well. If Absolutely. You're in the area, contact them, and maybe you can be blessed by their presence too. Um, but let's just pray for the ministry you have as you mentor. And not just as you mentor, but as you train others yep. to make disciples too. Yep. And Kathy, would you mind praying for them? Dear Jesus, 
I thank you so much for showing us the qualities in your life and how you loved us and then working through our lives with the Holy Spirit so that we can love others. Please bless the Shavesty family. Thank you for the examples that they are to those in Minneapolis. We know that they don't live in the most safe area, community, but that you would protect them there and you would help them to truly model your love. And Lord, we pray for the soul of those glass hearts of the young people that they're ministering to, that they would become fertile soil for your holy word and that these seeds of your wisdom be planted in their hearts and spring forth in great growth so that these young people can also become models for others. Pour your Holy Spirit down and fill these people, fill us, fill all of us with the challenge that Eric has given us that we might honor and bless people by modeling you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Thanks. We're going to close.